From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fire some freedom with another episode of the Clover Tack Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, crew? It's September 13th, 2023. Welcome to another Clover Tack Podcast powered our friends over at Monstrum Tactical. Talk about them here in uh, just a second. Uh, our guest today going to be uh, OST. That's uh, Operator Survival Tool. And uh, we'll get them in here shortly. So if you've got questions out there in the live chat, uh, in replay, remember you can always put those uh, questions down in the uh, comments below. Uh, and we'll try to relay uh, those questions. But toward the end of the podcast, uh, and as always in the description below and stuff like that, there'll be links to our guests and you can always reach out to them and, and ask those questions as well. We are proud to be a member of the Farms Radio Network. Got to throw that out there real quick. Uh, also, a big special thanks to the uh, Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members. If you want to join up, uh, there's links below. Uh, so you can do that as well. We have a lot of uh, cool things to offer and have a lot of a uh, lot of good times with those folks. Um, what else do we got? I don't know if we're actually going to be live the last two episodes, this being the third of the 2023 season. Uh, YouTube basically killed the live stream on the first episode and the second one. For whatever reason, they decided, and I think it was more a StreamYard glitch, but they did not put us live over on the YouTube side. Regardless, uh, if we see questions out there for our guests, we will bring them up. We will answer them. Uh, but just keep in mind that there could be technical glitches. If there are, rest assured, we are recording this. And as soon as we get done with our guest of recording, well, I'll just uh, publish it like a, a normal podcast and a normal video. So, uh, yeah, with that, uh, yeah, talk a little bit about uh, Monstrum Tactical. Because up until a few months ago, I didn't know they existed. Uh, and now that I do, I noticed they've got a lot of cool stuff over here. Uh, you'll see I've got, I think that's the Cyborg on top, the black, little black box. I think that's the Cyborg Prism site, which is pretty cool. Underneath it is one of the Banshees, uh, the uh, LPVO scopes. And uh, the reticle in those things, uh, the Banshee, really freaking awesome. Uh, but not just the optics, right? Like Monstrum has some pretty cool mounts and rings and things like that, including adjustable mounts. Not only the two-piece adjustable uh, scope rings but also like the cantilever mounts that are adjustable as well a lot of really cool stuff some really neat flashlights over there uh incorporated lasers handguard mounted those sorts of things so uh, a lot of things that fall into i think what we're going to talk about a little bit with our uh with our guest today so be sure to uh yeah check out uh, monster tactical for your uh, for your optics needs see if there's something out there uh, that may fit the bill for you. So uh, with that, let's get to Josh in the house. How are you, man? Doing good. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm glad we could make it uh, make it all work. It's been, um, been kind of a long wait. Uh, we met uh, for a little bit of backstory there. Uh, we we drove up. We drive up at um, uh, the Airbnb in Indy for NRAM this year, and we drive up, and it's kind of. The neighborhood seems kind of sketchy. Turned out it was okay, but it seemed kind of, well, except for the drag racing and the weird people running over the curb in the middle of the night. Uh, it, it kind of seemed kind of weird. So we pull up, and there's all these people hanging out in front of our house. We're like, 
wait, hold on. Whoa, time out a minute. Are we, are we sharing a house with a bunch of people? Like, what's going on? And then uh, come to find out the house was divided into two, two entrances and all that good kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, the uh, the crew from OST was next door with us. So it was kind of awesome to have, you know, Pro 2A, Pro Gun, in-round people right there next to us. It very could have easily been protesters or something, right? Yeah, yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Is the pictures were very uh, deceptive. We thought we were getting our own house too. So as soon as we yeah. saw we were sharing, and I got my two little kids running up and down the the halls through the house, and you know, I, I thought it was just gonna tick tick my neighbors off. And yeah, no, it was it was really good that it was yeah some yeah. like minded people next door. Well, and even the even the dude that was to the one side of us, so the other people, I don't think they were ever home or something the entire time. But the other guy. He was out there like barbecuing the entire weekend. It seemed like so drinking beer, barbecuing. So he was totally cool with it as well. It was yeah. a, it was a, it was a pretty neat weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was cool. We hadn't, we hadn't done a, uh, a NRA show as a, as a vendor. So it was kind of a, it was cool. Just the whole, yeah. the whole thing was really nice. And I want to get into some of that. What you guys, uh, where, where are you are in the business and all of that. But before we kind of break down and get into that, I want to give you a shot. Just uh, give us like the thirty thousand foot overview here, right off the jump of uh, of OST. Who you guys are, where you out of, what do you do, that sort of thing. And we'll get into the details a little later on. Okay, so um, so it started. I was a I was a deputy sheriff in Orange County, and uh, when you start with that department, they put you in the jails. So. Uh, so I ended up working nights and I'm in the jails. There's not much to do. So my head just kind of started spinning on products that I wanted, things that I, I didn't see in the market. So right. I just kind of started spitballing with a bunch of other gun enthusiasts, deputies in there. And we started coming up with product ideas. And, you know, when you first start, there's a there's a lot of capital to, to get started. And right. there's a lot of like, you, you want to go for it and everyone's all good to go until it's time to pony up money and start trying to go for patents and uh and uh, molds for injection plastics, and so everyone else just kind of bailed on me. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll give it a shot. So, first product was just kind of like, uh, you know, let, let's see if we can even make this thing. And then from there, you know, when that one came out, I showed it to some of the SWAT guys in my department, and they wanted something a little different. So I made something for them. And mm -hmm. each each new product I get is kind of like a, I don't see a solution in the industry, so I try to make it. And right. I'm very much a uh, like bank your buck kind of guy. So I just try and find the most effective way to get to the thing I'm trying to, or the problem I'm trying to solve. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of just where it started and it's still going today. I just came, I, I probably five more products I'm trying to bring to market right now that wow. Wow. are just something that like, Hey, you know what? This is cool. And I go look for it and no one's doing it. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. I'll be the guy to try and do it. Right. Uh, roughly how many products or how many SKUs are you guys sitting on right now? Well, so I started doing these um, these target stencils. So, like, if you mm -hmm. want to go shoot a competition, you got to buy a, a very specific target so that everyone is, uh, is practicing and competing with the same standards. And the targets are only, like, a buck, but when you start buying, you know, 50 at a time and you got to keep them in stock and when you want to run to the range is always when you run out. So right. I came up with this idea of you just put a stencil down and you use trash cardboard because everyone has, you know, extra cardboard laying around these days. Right. So then, so then I got full size and I got two thirds scale and then I got the different disciplines. I mean, if we're counting all those, probably like 20 SKUs or so right now. Okay. Okay. But yeah. as far as like concepts, probably six or seven, like actual okay. problems I was trying to solve at the time. Right. Yeah. And the, um, yeah, the target systems are kind of neat. I've got a set 
over here and I, I don't even remember i haven't even really broken into them yet um but i think it's primarily like circles and crosshairs or something along that lines so i started um a lot of guys have like warm-up drills you know when mm-hmm. you first get to the range to get you to you know get on track and get going make the the, the most out of your trip to the range so we started doing those it's kind of like a dot torture um yeah. a transition back and forth zeroing a red dot just kind of the basics that most guys need when you show up to the range Right, so we started right. doing that one too, just as a, you know, give you, give you something to do when you get there. Cause I don't know when I shot with my deputy buddies, we'd show up, we're all gun ho. And then it's like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> right. Well, these, my thought with these, I would seen these. And of course I'd seen the stencils. You'd showed me those at, uh, at NRAM. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I seen these pop up, uh, through Amazon and I'm like, Oh snap, that's OST. Like I'm going to snag those real quick. And, uh, and got them in here. And my initial thoughts were these could be good for steel, for painting on steel. And, you know, you paint the steel white, or at least I do, because yep. white spray paint is plentiful and cheap. Uh, you paint it white and black, right? Seem to be the two colors easily to come across and the cheapest. And so I'll just paint them white. But I thought, you know, if I could put center dots or crosshairs or some of these designs on there, it would kind of break up that monotony if nothing else you know what i mean <laughs> gotta give me something a little bit something different to shoot at instead of the same white round target all the time over and over and over yeah and even for like i bought um i bought full-size silhouettes when i first bought my steel because that was just what i thought i wanted but then you're only getting a hit or miss you either you either ring the gaunt you ring the steel or you don't so i made this this smaller silhouette to kind of give you like a, you know, aim small, miss small kind of a concept of like, don't just hit or miss. Try to get within an eight inch circle on that silhouette. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of neat with these two, especially like that crosshair design. And it, it breaks that circle up into quadrants. Right. So am I, am I high? Am I high left? Am I high right? You know, it kind of gives you an idea. Assuming yep. you're painted. Um, yep. There are times when I don't even, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't paint my still too often. A lot of times ringing it's enough. Right. Like if you're just out yeah. and you're having fun, like yeah. who who cares? I don't even paint it. Like as long as I can see it, it's yeah. it's you know, it's painted well enough, I can see it, I don't even care. Uh but yeah, there's there's something about especially if you're taking longer distance shots and you don't have a spotting scope or you don't have a very good spotting scope. Yeah. Uh and you know, you want you want that instant feedback that oh it was a hit and mm-hmm. at least you know it was a hit. Uh, and then you can go down there and, and check. So the, the most horrible thing is when you're doing stuff like that with paper and you take that shot, you're like, okay, is it is it in there? I can't really see. You're looking through your scope. You're like, I can't really see a hole. Is there a hole? And then you have to walk down there. And even if it's 50 yards, you know, let alone 100 or 200 yards or whatever it might be, you don't get that feed, the same feedback, right? And so you walk all the way down there and you're not even on paper. And you're like, yep. oh, man, okay, so – you know, you've wasted that time, you made things safe, set everything on the table, you've had to, you know, make the range cold, you've had to walk down range, and at least with the with the steel, you get that feedback. So, yeah, having those stencils uh, can be a great addition to what the versatility, I guess, that you get out of your steel targets, which is really neat. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're going for, is just adding some value. They're not going to, like, replace everything. It's not going to be the one and only target you'll ever need, but there's some times when you just need a little bit more, and that's what we were trying to... We're trying to give right. people right now. OST, the operator survival tool. That's the that's what started it all, right? That's the flagship product. Yeah, so that was like the main one. That was kind of back in the day when everyone was trying to do the um, 
like it fits in the grip, like fix wasted space on an AR-15. So we, we, the, the deputies I was working with, we kept spitballing of like, okay, everyone does battery compartments, like two CR-123 batteries, because that powers all your flashlights. So we thought, what, what could we make that would be small enough to fit into that compartment instead of batteries? So we, we started with like, um, they're called fire pistons where, you know, you push real hard and, um, it's almost like a diesel engine where the compression starts the, uh, the embers and you get a survival fire. Oh, cool. that thing fell apart. It was terrible. It never worked. Yeah. It was so yeah. finicky, um, was not worth our time, but, um, we ended up with this one right here and basically it's the size of two CR 123s mm-hmm. and then inside, let's see if I get this right. Inside's like a little compartment that'll hold on to a piece of steel. And then it also holds a ceramic knife sharpening rod and a flint rod. So now we have steel, flint. That's where we got our fire. We ditched the uh, the, the piston idea. Right. But then the, the other end of the housing is also like a little compression fitting to grab onto whichever rod you're working with. So it's it's the housing and the handle, and it holds on to a ceramic rod to sharpen your knife or a flint rod to use with the steel to start a fire. So we're like, okay, it kind of does three things. It'll the steel will clean your gun, the flint will start a fire, and the ceramic rod will sharpen a knife. So that's kind of where the logo came up with. Right. Right. The the one piece takes care of your gun, the fire, the knife. And then we're like, okay, if it does three things, we want a three-word uh, company logo to just kind of make it all work together. So operator right. obviously is really overused. It's like you know organic or mil spec. It's just a sales mm-hmm. pitch anymore, but. It, that's basically where we came from. It was just gun, survival, fire, and knife, kind of in the survival arena, and that was sure. the name we came up with as our first product, the Operator Survival Tool. Yeah. And the first product kind of became the company name. So. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I I did it at, at NRAM, and I've done it since. And for whatever reason, the O, I keep wanting to go to outdoor, and I guess because of the fire starter, right? Yeah. It's just in my mind, outdoor survival tool. And I'm like, no, wait, hold on. No, that's not it. It's operator survival yeah. tool. And actually, there's um, some of our biggest customers have been those um, subscription box companies. Yeah. Right. A lot of them are very outdoor oriented and ironically anti-gun. So we've actually been playing with like, well, if we called it the outdoor survival tool, we could bait these uh these anti-gunners into buying stuff from a gun company, you know, gun company. Right. So we, we've actually played yeah. with calling it the outdoor survival tool. Changing it around um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Now, other than cool. right now, other than it fitting into, like I said, it's designed where it does go in that wasted space in the grip of a of an AR. Um, is there any reason that, I mean, they're obviously using it in those boxes. So, I mean, the outdoorsman out there, you don't have to even own an AR to, to have that or use it, right? Throw it in a no, bag absolutely. in a pocket somewhere. Yeah, and then basically we came up with this one. It's the same exact um, housing, flint rod, and ceramic rod. Mm-hmm. But what we did is we changed up the main uh, piece of steel to basically just be like a, a, a utility tool. Just, just oh, flat okay. out utility. So we call it the everyday carry because, I mean, it, it's the size of a chapstick. Like it, it just fits right. in your pocket. It fits anywhere. It's, it's less than an ounce. Wow. So it's very, a lot of utility in a very small space. Right. Um, and, and we've been playing with that one too. And you know, multi-tools, anything multi-tool or multi-use, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. seems to be like a hot concept for the last few years. It's the minimalist, the EDC, the, uh, what is it? The SHTF, whatever the, the nomenclature everybody uses, but they want, 
a bunch of options in a smaller package. And is that kind of what you guys have seen too with people, people enjoying it because of that fact? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely like that, that niche market niche. I mean, it's pretty universal, but as small a tool as possible, as light as possible to do as many things as you can get it to do. Right. So we, we got quite a few on there. Just, you know, Phillips head, flathead, can opener, um, screwdriver, bit turner, and that's just the steel tool. And then you got steel and flint, or you have the medium grit ceramic rod to sharpen up all your knives or, or touch up any of your edged, you know, edge tools. Right. So right. It does quite a bit for, for something that small. Now for, for those out there, I see there are a few of you that are joining uh, live and listening to the conversation. So obviously we're still kicking here. Uh, Throw some questions. If you got questions uh, about operator survival tool, about the stencils, whatever it might be, throw them out there in the chat. Uh, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely get to them. Um, you were talking earlier about all the different ideas that that uh, you guys had when you first kicked off. So ideas you had. You mentioned the one that you had to go back, kind of go back to the drawing board on like the fire starter thing. Um, how many have come to realization those ideas that you originally had? Um, so it's kind of like an ongoing process, right? Like the more, okay. the more things I get into, it's like, Hey, what if this, Hey, what if that, you know, I, <laughs> I moved from some commie California right. state to uh, North Idaho. Uh -huh. So now I've, now I have just, you know, an abundance of freedom up here. So I'm getting into suppressors. I'm getting into like, you know, eyeballing some SBRs, some machine guns. Uh -huh. So it's like the, the more things I get my hands on, the more things like, Hey, why don't they do this? Why is no one doing this? And I start looking right. around and then, or I'm, I'm getting into night vision and thermals and stuff like that. And it's, why don't, why does no one do this? And you start, mm -hmm. you just kind of start thinking a new, I don't know, maybe it's just how my mind works or. Right. I don't know. But it's like the more things I get my hands on, the more, the more products I think, why, why not do this? And yeah. I just kind of run down the idea, you know, like, yeah. will it work or will it fail? And plenty of them fail, but. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's, when you fail, I mean, for, I think for the vast majority of people, unfortunately, when they fail, they give up. Yeah. Uh, but for the rest of us, when we fail, number one, it's a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Like, oh, okay, this didn't work. Now I'm ticked off. Now I'm going to kick this yeah. thing in the rear. How do I do it, right? So yeah. it's a learning It's a learning experience is what I'm saying. It's, it's Failure is not a bad thing like people want to make it out to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of speaking of that, as far as the design, so you guys are, you know, you're coming up with these designs. What is the method for, for like prototyping this? I mean, is that farmed out? Do you have some type of machine shop somewhere? Are you using 3d printers? How is the prototyping stage of all this working? No. So this, this entire company company, um, is me. It's just me. So I, if I have an idea for, let's say like the stencils, right. I start running down. Um, how would I cut those stencils? Mm -hmm. So then it, it starts getting into like, you know, do I need a plotter with a blade? And then I run that down and no, the stencils are too thick. A blade will not cut it. You need a laser. So then I go start talking to all the laser companies and, and basically it comes back to like, no, you need a quarter million dollar laser to cut these things. And oh, like, is that it? All right. Okay. All right. No, I'm sorry. I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't have enough volume to justify that yet. So then I go find a company who already cuts them. I pay up a little bit to basically let them cut my designs. I get all my own patents and everything. So it's mine. They shouldn't be making them for anyone else. But I basically go to companies who are professionals at what they do. 
they can already hold the tightest of standards that, that I need. And I basically outsource most of the uh, production and all that for companies who really know what they're doing. I'm kind of just the idea guy and the little puppet master for making things work. But gotcha. yeah, th this whole thing is, is basically been an exercise in how small can I keep OST? Yeah, right. Cause as soon, as soon as you get employees and a workshop and all this, it gets to a scale that maybe it's just, I'm not comfortable with yet. Right. But I, I kind of started this as a way to stop doing the deputy sheriff thing and start being kind of stay at home dad, just hang out with my kids. Cause right. every older person in my life told me, you know, like enjoy your kids when they're young. My, my kids are oh God, six and four already. So it's like, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy them and keep this going to keep the lights on. So yeah. it's kind of been an exercise in how small can I keep OST while still trying to advance it, you know? Well, there, there's something to be said about that. I mean, uh, you know, everybody, it seems like, I mean, they're always looking at scaling their business up. Mm -hmm. How do I scale this up and how do I, I grow and how do I get, you know, really, you know, really big. The problem uh, with that or what comes with that, I think, is the inability to bob and weave and pivot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you need to, yeah. you're not as nimble of a company. Whereas yeah. if it's uh, a one-man operation, a family operation, a smaller operation, um, you, you're not dealing with hundreds or thousands of employees and, and boards you have to get permission from and all of this other stuff, especially if it's being financed for the most part out of your, you know, out of your pocket or out of a, a few people's pockets, few investors' pockets, then um, that allows you to switch things up. I mean, and it allows you to move quick as well. That's another thing that a lot of folks don't realize. It's kind of like you were talking about. You come up with an idea. It's a lot quicker for you to get that thing probably to market, you know, get it out, get it out in the, in the uh, consumer's hands than it is for a big, huge company. They get somebody that comes to them with an idea. Oh, now we have to t trial and error. We have to test this. We have to, it has to go through these phases. And for each phase, we have to get approval from the board and you know, all this other mess where you don't have those drawbacks right now, which is, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, um, so, so like I said, I, up here in Idaho, I started getting into suppressors and playing more with, with those that I never had before in California. Um, cleaning those things is a real pain in the butt. So like I have a couple products that I'm working on right now. I have some gun cleaning tools. I'm moving into the, like the suppressor cleaning mm -hmm. tool. Right. I, I had an idea patent filed, like start moving on it, start, start going for it. So I'm nice. uh, one of the, the newest kind of areas that I'm pushing for. And I'm seeing products like um, uh, the solvents. I'm seeing a lot of companies pop up with solvent cleaners. Like, okay, so some other people are catching on too, and their arena is the solvent side. So mine is going to be more of the physical, the physical cleaning tool. tool, not the chemical. Yeah. So yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. I think I think that is a small benefit of being a microscopic, uh, you know, well, company. Well, we've got some uh, we got some good friends up there in Idaho. Aegis Gun Care. Uh, I don't know if you know about them or have met them, Rod and Shelley. Um, before we get off here, or before you know. Uh, we uh we kill everything anyway uh yeah maybe we should talk about that they do uh they do an excellent half for years uh do an excellent uh cleaner solvent lubricant that sort of thing okay. so with you working on that hardware the the tooling side of things there may be and y'all both right there in idaho that sounds like a match made in heaven almost right um yeah. so it might be something to look into um 
with the suppressor thing, so that interests me. So without giving away the farm on that, and I know this is something you're just working on at this point, um, more so for welded sealed units. I know that's not really a thing with suppressors as much as it used to be, but there's a lot of folks out there, myself included, uh, that have been into suppressors for a very long time <laughs> and own sealed units, and cleaning them suck. So, so the sealed ones, I, I think the solvents are the only way to go. I think dropping yeah. them and maybe the, uh, the ultrasonics with some, with some solvents, I think is the only way to go. Right. I'm more talking yeah. like the 22 stuff, okay. you know, the, gotcha. the stack baffles, they get filthy because of all the lead and everything. Oh, that's more 22 is filthy. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's kind of where I'm starting. Yeah. And that's basically, uh, you know, a, what am I thinking? I, uh, yeah, an ultrasonic cleaner. Mm -hmm. some solvent and an air compressor and it's about the best you can do with the sealed units you know yeah yeah I mean, um with 22 is like i every time i go out I, i'm i'm cheap so if i can i'm shooting 22s to get some reps in on like an mmp 1522 so my my 22 suppressors get a lot of use they they get oh yeah, just, just, yeah. and i'm lazy too like the the irony is like i have all these cleaning tools for guns i I let my oh, guns get disgusting before I actually clean them. So yeah. my suppressors have gotten just terrible. So now I'm hey. like, okay, I need I need a solution for all the lazy, yeah. cheap bastards out there like me to get them out of the pickle they're in when all that crap builds up on it. And you know, so so I, I don't say I'm I don't say I'm lazy. Uh, I'm testing things out for people. Yeah. So so yeah. you're you're welcome folks for me having the dirty guns because that's why I do that to make sure that I can let you know, hey, this is the breaking point, right? Yep. So Somebody's gonna do it. Yeah, right. Nobody's gotta right. do it. Yep. <laughs> uh he's shield out there. Um came in late, so it's pretty good time, I guess, maybe to, to kind of recap here just a little bit. It's just what products are we looking at? So give the rundown to folks again, the kind of the product line that you guys have. And by the way, there's links and everything uh, below wherever you're at. So you can go check out, look at uh, things for yourself. But anyway, uh, run through the, the product list real quick again, if you will. Okay, yeah. So so first one, first one was the original OST. Basically, it has a little um, scraper tool in there designed to clean all of the um, carbon building surfaces off your bolt carrier group and your AR-15. So they're, they're kind of a pain to clean. They build up the most carbon. They cause all the malfunctions. With these tools, basically you scrape all the big bits off in just a matter of seconds. You can take a rag with maybe a little solvent and just get the last little bit if you want it white glove clean. But the idea is just knock off all the big stuff to get your gun back up and running. This one comes with um, a ceramic rod to sharpen knives and then a uh, flint rod to also start survival fires. That was our first product. We changed it a little bit, took took out the gun aspect and basically just gave you like a utility tool. So it'll start all your survival fire, sharpen knives, but now it also has Phillips head, flat head, uh, can oh, opener, yeah. screwdriver bit turner. Once we had those, I was a deputy sheriff at the time. I showed it to my SWAT guys and for whatever reason they go, well, I want, I want a tool that attaches to my gear. I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, who cares? And they go, that's what I want. I'm like, all right, that's what you want. So then we came up with this one, and basically it does all of the cleaning functions that the first one does, and it also has a castle nut wrench. There's a lot of guys who build their own ARs, and they don't necessarily stake them or stake them properly. So I've, mm -hmm. I'm guilty of it. My, mine's come loose at the range a couple times. So the idea is now you have a wrench on you. It's not a full armor's wrench, but you can retighten a loose castle nut. Nice. And, then, and then again, it, 
it cleans all the uh, all the spots on the bolt that, that builds up any carbon. So you can just basically put it through the ringer with this tool and everything's gone. That's going to cause a malfunction. Throw it back in the gun, get back to shooting. That's actually right. our most popular product right now. Right. Then oh, I would imagine. Running. Yeah. 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 So then we started doing some 308 version. Not as many guys own AR-10s, but we started doing those. Mm -hmm. um, then we decided, wait, why does why does everyone need a castle nut wrench? Why don't we just get the cleaning tool as small as we can? So we came oh, with wow. this one, and it is as small as it can get. That's half. The, that's less than half the size. Yeah, and basically, yeah. it the only reason it has to be this size is because it gets down inside the carrier. So if you take the bolt head off and just the carrier, you still got to get down in there. That's the size of this tool. Okay, gotcha. So we came up with that one. Then we thought, well, if you're if you were gonna like in field clean your gun, you still got to run the barrel. You still got a couple other things. So we came up with this one. Sorry, the glare's not helping me here. Oh, you're but, fine. But um, it's a it's our our mini scraper. We threw in a rope style um, barrel cleaner, so you can run the barrel, clean that out. Wow. And then a stick of grease as well that's resealable. It's not a one time use kind of deal. And again, this will actually fit in your grip, weighs less than an ounce. You cram everything in. I like BCM, so I throw this in all my BCM grips. So at any right. time, you can break down your gun, scrape all the carbon off of the carrier, run the barrel, and relude the gun, put it back together, and you're good for you know thousands of rounds again. Right. After those, we got into the stencils. Um, yeah, the stencils are pretty cool. The idea is basically everyone's got trash cardboard laying around. So if you just had something to hold you to the right standards of, you know, the dimensions of these targets, right? You can make your own instead of for a buck a piece. You're down to less than a nickel a piece for the the ink inside the the pen. Heck so yeah! We make these. By far the the best, uh, most popular one is USPSA. There's a lot of guys who shoot that. So it just holds you to the to the same standards as a USPSA target, but at an fraction of the cost instead of a buck a piece like i said you're paying about a nickel a piece you go through 100 targets and it starts to add up pretty quick and right buy more oh, yeah. ammo or something instead of targets yeah and the and, and the, the amount of the amount of stencils that you guys have is you've got quite a few so and, and um, we're up in it right now because we just realized yeah. you know we're, we're we were missing out on the two-thirds so every, every full size we're going down to two-thirds as well um, there's some D1 well, and then just and just generic, just generic circles and crosses mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, for sighting in for load development. Right. Yep. Um, you know, small, smaller circle bullseye things that people can spray onto a, uh, you know, onto a piece of cardboard. They don't have to go out and buy, you know, expensive targets. They can, I mean, Everybody's kind of like you said earlier. If anybody's like like me and and the family here in my life, I mean, I'm looking at a stack of boxes, two foot high from Amazon over here, and and I keep those around to patch holes on my backstop. My backstop, I'm cheap and I don't like to spend. Right now, lumber is still expensive. It's twenty dollars for the OSB that makes up my my backstop. It's twenty dollars a sheet, and there's eight sheets out there, I think. And so I just patch the holes with that cardboard and. If you're going to patch the holes with that cardboard, well, why not just paint something over the top of it? And you're patching it, plus you've got the target right there all in one. So the stencils are, are kind of cool. And and you mentioned the marker earlier. Um, so understand this with the stencil, there's a couple of, of ways you can go, right? You can use the big, fat, Marks-a-Lot, Sharpie-style markers uh, instead of spray painting if that's easier for you. Yeah, so basically we... um. 
we had a couple people say that they didn't like spray paint because it gets on their fingers. And right. it's like, okay, well, just spray paint it and tilt the board and let it slide off so it never touches you. Or they suggested including a marker. So this is basically, I think we said it was four Sharpie markers worth of ink and one pen. It's not, it's not a special pen. It's just we sourced it and threw our label on it. But we just included it for, for the same price right. to give someone a, a marker now. So it's now you yeah. have like four Sharpies in one. And it it's should do a higher volume. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Just, just yeah. give more more value in the product too. But um, it should do about 100 targets. Wow. So if you're, instead of buying the targets for about a buck a piece, you buy the target with the marker for, I think it's $24 now. So you make 100, they're 24 cents a piece. Wow. So by the time you use up the ink and the marker, I've already saved you like, I don't know, was that 70 bucks, 75 bucks? Right. Now the, so, the, uh, the targets themselves of kept in decent shape or taken care of or they're good indefinitely pretty much right yeah they're acetone safe so you can clean them if you want to i just let it cake on until it gets really dry and crispy and you just kind of like snap it and it all flies off right but yeah i got them just laying on the floor in my in my garage i step on them and grind you know my weights on them and they they're 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 really thick mylar so they're basically indestructible like if you wanted to you could probably break them but yeah they'll last forever you're not not recommended to throw them on the garage floor and step on them i'm just saying take care of your stuff right yeah but if that if that happens right if they get on the floor and you run over them with your quad or whatever like eh, yeah you know it's not gonna damage them so my follow-up with that knowing that the longevity of the stencils themselves are are almost infinite uh do you guys sell just a marker yeah um someone as soon as soon as we started doing the markers we, we started doing like a three pack Okay, great. Yeah. If you go if you go find these like at U line or whatever, they're almost five bucks a marker. I right. think we I think we dropped it down to like three. So it's like nine or twelve. Maybe it's like three or four bucks mm-hmm. for a three pack. But yeah. Right. Nice. Just, just, yeah, just trying to, you know, add some more value if someone wanted those particular markers from us. Yeah. One in your range bag, one in a drawer at the house, one in the glove box of the pickup or something. Yep. You know? Yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I got I got a little stack oh. everywhere, you know, just a little <laughs> right. Yeah, you've always got your your marker around because that's one thing that I it drives me up the wall is finding markers. Like, yep. like I, I probably got eighty jillion markers and they're they're dispersed in so many different places. I can never find one when I need one. So it's a good idea to have more than one for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I grab them. I, I was just building a chicken coop for uh, my my daughter. She wanted chickens, so it's like you're saying lumber's all expensive. They're building houses behind my behind my housing track, and I went out and like dumpster dove. For, for wood mm-hmm. and I'm grabbing my marker to mark all my stuff and make all my cuts and yeah no, they're they're good for so many uses but oh yeah 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 yep uh unapologetically armed uh, I was talking earlier when you were breaking up the uh the tool says um the stocking stuffers a great idea that's coming up and and if you want to take a look I mean know the the folks out there in the audio world are kind of probably having uh wondering what all of this different stuff looks like. And so, uh, yeah, follow along, jump down and, and check out the website. Uh, there'll be pictures up there. You can follow along with, uh, with everything. Um, so jumping back to, uh, in Ram, when we first kicked this off, said that you said that that was, uh, y'all's first in Ram. So I'm curious, what have you, have you guys been to any big trade shows either as an exhibitor or as law enforcement or individual or whatever? Uh, prior to NRAM? So, yeah, I did I did one NRAM back in – it was in Texas. I, I forget. 
I forget exactly where. And it was years ago. And it was it was really cool. I liked the energy just as, you know, a patron walking around buying stuff. I thought mm-hmm. it was really cool. Then as a deputy, I got into SHOT Show. Oh, nice. So yeah. The walking around SHOT was really cool, just kind of seeing it. But it was it was hugely different, you know, that you can't oh, do yeah. any sales there. Yeah. So it was, I don't know, it was, well, it was cool to see the, the newer stuff, but it was a bummer that you can't buy anything right. as just an individual. Well, but so, as, as a company, you probably see, like, SHOT Show. And, and did you go to SHOT before? Were you doing the OST when you went to shot or was that before? I, I was doing it, but I could, I definitely couldn't afford a booth. So oh, okay. Well, that's I what I meant, but you were, was doing the OST thing. Okay. So walking around shot probably gave you a lot of ideas. That's what I'm saying. Just the idea side and getting the shot. Once you get over the over overwhelming feeling, because that always comes with shot with the first time you're going to be overwhelmed. It's huge. And like you say, completely different environment. It's a business driven environment. So, um, yeah, I imagine that there were some ideas that came out of shot walking around, looking at all the stuff that, and I mean, it is designed to like link businesses. I did make some really good connections. Some, it's kind of surprising how, how good a lot of the guys in the industry are. Like just, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll ask guys questions like, Hey, can you help me on this? And they'll take time to actually, Hey, this is right. what I do. This is a pricing model, or this is a trend I'm noticing. Or these are the types of companies I use to build this side of the business. Like it's 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 what you it's what you'd hope to expect from the gun industry. Is is I found a lot of good people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know from the media side, I much prefer a shot show um, than a, than an NRL, and it's a complete opposite from you guys as bidders and distributors. We probably talked about that on the porch in Indy, but. The general public at a show, as media trying to accomplish things and get things done, like my time is very stretched and very limited. I've got many, many multiple companies I've got to meet with, and I'm not talking about filming or necessarily doing anything like that, but just the FaceTime and the handshaking and the and the wheeling and dealing, keeping things going till the next event or the next show or the next year or whatever. Um, and so I am uh, I'm constantly constantly running right. Mm-hmm. and oh my god at the aisles full of people that are just wondering and looking you're like get it would you please get out of the way like move to the side like that we need an express lane down every aisle of the nra show that's like media only kind of like the uh high occupancy <laughs> lanes yeah. out on the highway yeah. uh, it is aggravating and and then when you do go to take pictures or film inevitably you're doing that and then somebody just walks up and picks up whatever you're filming or walks in between you and the camera and you and whoever you're interviewing or whatever. It's like, it's madness. And you don't get that at, at shot show because again, it's, it's a professional business type type environment, but from the exhibitor end, you know, for you guys, uh, I can see where, and especially non like regulated things. And that's what we're talking about with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Different story for those maybe that sell ammunition, maybe that sell firearms. But with you guys, if you've got it at NRAM, it's there. You can sell it right from the table and go. So, you know, you can start to – it's not one of those situations like a straight-up industry show where you've got to make those connections and then maybe, hopefully, those orders and invoices, everything pans out in the future. You can legit take money right there at the table and try to help offset those costs because I know it's – 
it's not cheap, especially for one man, you know, small company to make shows like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that's why I haven't, I haven't hosted a shot show or a, a vendor at a, at a shot show. It's, I, I can't justify the expense right. for the future possibility of, you know, maybe I'm just, I'm not there yet. So the, the NRAM or, um, there's a couple others too, but, that kind of opened our eyes driving that far. That was, uh, it was like three days worth of driving for us because wow. we had, we, we didn't know what to expect. So we had to bring the kitchen sink and we, we loaded an entire Yukon just full of product. Cause that, that was our <laughs> worst fear is to get there and then sell right. out. And then, Oh God, look at all this waste that we, we should have brought more. So you yeah, guys, no, you guys even had to bring a babysitter. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, cause <laughs> and I got my two kids and we homeschooled right. and, you know, it's, that's just how, that's how our life is that we're always yeah. with our kids. So the fact that the two of us, me and my wife are trying to, to run this show was like, what do we do? Do we ship our kids to somewhere else to watch them or, you know, so our only solution was to, to fly in a babysitter, grandma and grandma <laughs> got to spend some time with the kids at, you know, at the, went to the zoo. They went to, you know, a bunch of cool oh, places. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, it was a vacation for them, but for us, it was super hectic and right. it, it was rough. Right. And that could be cool. I mean, that could be, you know, it makes it a different, uh, uh, I guess, a different experience. Right. And and what's really neat, I guess, is as they get older, um, you know, I don't know with with working in the exhibitor side of the shot show. I know to get into shot show, I think it's 16 it's 21 for range day. And I'm pretty positive on that. Uh, in rail, I don't know on the whole exhibitor side and other things. But, you know, at some point. Uh, you know, taking them along on those trips, even yeah. if it is with the, having a babysitter or something like that and getting them used to that travel, that can be fun for them and, it, and eventually spark some interest in, mm -hmm. you know, especially being a family business, right? Like maybe they yep. get up 11, 12, 13, 14 years old and they, they hey, you know, get in here and work this booth, right? <laughs> get, yeah, get, somebody, I mean, get somebody child labor going, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then like not only that, but like there's so many like there's tax incentives as a small business to pay your kid because the oh, kid definitely. is taxed at a lower thing. There, there's you know if it's if it's earned income, you can put it into an IRA for the kids and sock it away for their retirement because you know the way our economy is going, they're going to need right. all the help they can get. So right, yeah. And then yeah, just the experience. You know when all these kids are showing up with, oh, I got a degree from ABC and it it means nothing. My kids can like, hey, I've been selling products since this age. I've been developing <laughs> new products. I. I do international orders for, for this thing. And yep. yeah, no, I, I think it's hugely beneficial for small businesses yeah. to get their kids involved. Yeah. It could be, it could be really cool for sure. Um, let's, uh, let's switch gears, gears here. Hang tight because we are going to, uh, bring, uh, if I can find it here, we're going to bring up a, uh, a segment here we call, uh, on the spot. Uh, this one brought to you by uh, Anderson Manufacturing. So hang tight just for a second uh, right. there, Josh. And uh, I'm going to talk about Anderson Manufacturing. And let me tell you something. The last week or so, if you haven't checked out Anderson Manufacturing, you really missed out because, my God, at the Labor Day deals that they had going on. Will they do that again? Hopefully so. But I want to say, first of all, thank you to Anderson Manufacturing for, uh, for helping out the podcast here. Uh, but, again, there's a lot of cool stuff that has come out over at Anderson Manufacturing. A lot of cool stuff yet to come out, like the bolt action. I said that bolt action rifles from Anderson Manufacturing. Uh, and the way I understand it, they're going to be releasing the 308, the 65 Creedmoor, and 
my favorite of the three, of course, the 300 win mag. Uh, yeah, why get a 308 or a 65 when you have a 300 win mag? I don't know. But hey, you know, if you're uh, that tight, well, they'll have it for you. Uh, obviously, they've got the AR. It's been around in that game forever. Uh, whether you're talking about the 15 platform or the 10 platform or even the uh, you know, pistol caliber carbine style stuff. And speaking of that, still had a great luck with mine. The, the very first uh, you know, 9mm AR style uh, carbine or whatever that uh, that I've ever not played with. I've, I've played around with many, but have ever owned, have ever had extended time with, uh, is that Anderson. Uh, the AM9 and still running strong. That thing is amazing. I haven't done it yet, but it's soon to get a Monstrum Tactical uh, Banshee LPVO uh, on that thing, and uh, I think I'm probably going to enjoy it even more. So, uh, again, big shout out, big thanks to uh, uh, Anderson for sponsoring this segment. With that, let's get Josh in here. Josh, we got the uh, going to put you on the spot here with a few things. Uh, this should this should be fun though. Before we close out, got a couple of questions. Uh, on your first, and then a couple of questions on your favorites. Uh, we're going to start out with uh, your first firearm. What was your first firearm? First firearm. If we're talking that I purchased or that, like, I ever shot. I'll let you, you caveat that however you want, man. All right, so so I'll do the first one I purchased. So I, I'm not a drinker. I, I Alcohol has just never been appealing to me. Right. When I turned 21 in California, my, my big thing was like, I can buy a gun now. I can buy a pistol, right? Because I <laughs> can't do that through 21. Right. That's when I finally, before then I had 1022s and my dad had bought or, you know, a shotgun my dad bought me. But now sure. I'm 21. I bought me a Walther P22 pistol because it was nice. the cheapest 22 yeah. that, uh, you know, a, a broke 22-year-old could could or a 21 year old could purchase so right. that, that was like my first gun that i bought that was that and was probably like mine and, and probably not a lot of options on that california roster were there exactly and it's you know i not to say anything bad about walther but it, it ended up not really being my favorite but uh but that was like my first that i got to because before then like i said my, my dad had bought my guns for me when i was you know younger but that was my right. first one uh calaveras out there asking uh we're in california they're not they're in idaho now it's like you said yeah. he just got he got they got out of there so which yeah is we, what, we you need, what you need to do calaveras just say yeah i was uh, i was in orange county commuting from corona because i couldn't afford orange county or i didn't want to afford orange county so i was i was doing that 45 50 minute drive every day to work <laughs> right so then we, right then we tunneled out like five or six years ago came up here right uh first vehicle first vehicle was a Mitsubishi Eclipse. Oh, nice. A little two-door stick shift sports car that I had nice. too much fun in. Yeah, no kidding. What model? Um, I Roughly. forget. I forget. It was like the ES or something. It was like Not the... Like 90s or... Oh, yeah. It was... Uh... I forget the year now. It, it was old. It was... It, Okay. It was too much for a 16-year-old kid, but now it's, you know, it's like a Honda Civic or something, you know, it's not that. I had uh I had a couple of Dodge Daytonas, which was Ooh. the basically the Chrysler version of the Eclipse, more or less. Very they nice. were very 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 similar back in the day. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. But that, uh, that, was, that was pretty much like my parents split it with me. The first vehicle I ever bought like 3 years later was an R6 Yamaha motorcycle. I rode that oh, for a decade. There you, there you go. Nice. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's jump into some favorites. So, uh, favorite cartridge, 
you have a favorite cartridge? And it could be your favorite one to today even, or this minute. So right now, I'm kind of a 300 blackout guy. Okay. I, uh, you know, I got all my ARs set up for 223, and then now that I get up here, now that I got suppressors, now I'm playing with the 220 grain suppressed yep. little shorty barrel with a, a fat suppressor on it. So yep, it's kind of my favorite um, at the moment. Man, wait till you get in some 245 or to some 265 grain hand loads. That's 300 blackout, one of my favorite, if not the favorite, and, and especially I hand load. So by doing that, I can run 95 grain all the way up to 265 grain. And like, you See, can't do that. You can't do that in any other cartridge. Like, See, I, didn't, I didn't know it went up that high, but yeah, my dad, yeah. my dad's had a Dylan forever. So I got some 223 brass. I'm planning this winter when I can't run around and have fun because all the snow, I'm going right. to chop down some 223 brass and, and process it into 300 blackout. Right. Uh, favorite actor or actress? So, I really couldn't care less about actors and actresses. <laughs> you know, you. like I'll see people and like, oh, they were in that one movie, and I won't even know their name. I just right. I don't care. Right. Um, I think uh, what's that guy's name again? I don't know his name. Uh, the guy from uh, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, oh, Chris Chris Pratt, probably. There you go. I, I've yeah. seen some like off-screen stuff of him. He looks hilarious. He's you know very pro-America and. Well, he. Like, uh... I think I think maybe one of my guests previously had, had said Chris Pratt, I think. And uh uh yeah, Parks and Rec. Have you ever seen that? That was he was a chubby back then. It was kind of where he got his start. Uh but I he's just as hilarious, you know, now as he was back then. He's the exact same guy, which is, is kinda cool. Yeah, m most of them I figure they're all probably, you know, like just terrible people most of the hollywood elites or whatever but seeing him off camera kind of stuff yeah. is like okay this guy seems like he's you know not a tool bag well, so. and to be fair a lot of them may have to act that way um you know they have to kind of be closeted in a way because yeah. otherwise they likely aren't going to get any work so it's kind of hard to really tell with hollywood who's who's fake and who's not right yeah it could be um favorite historical site historical site so that well, could I mean, be so that could we, be battlefields. That could be. So I'm I'm not really a history buff, but I mean we did just come through 9/11, and and seeing like you know the site of the towers is oh yeah, yeah. it choked me up a little bit. It's like the the world changed. Like yeah, that world doesn't exist anymore. So that I one do, I do so in my wish. lifetime too. So that might be yeah. I do so wish, speaking of 9-11, and you're right, that, that's been very recent. So, you know, thoughts go out, obviously, to uh, to everybody that was affected by that. A lot of uh, a lot of hero stories, which was yeah. pretty amazing, came out of that. But one thing that always disappointed me was they it would have been a thumb at the nose of whoever. I know there's varying stories as to who was behind that. But mm -hmm. it would have been a, a, a literal you know, thumbing of the nose if we would have just rebuilt the darn things and built them a story taller or two or three or five. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you know, you know what? Screw you. You know, yep. you took these down. We're building them back and we're building them bigger and better. Like, yep. instead of the memorial thing that they did, you know, or whatever. Like, legit build yep. them back. Like, look what we can do. Like, yep. You want to totally knock agree. them down? You want to knock them down? That's cool. You know, you bring it because we'll build them back. It's not a problem. Um, yep. You got you got kiddos, so this may be an interesting one. Favorite breakfast cereal? 
we okay so my my upbringing my parents got divorced right so i i had cereal or pop tarts or whatever kind of garbage my parents <laughs> had no time to deal with the kids the kids had right. dinner. my right. kids i'm homeschooling and i'm i'm a work at home dad my kids get um french toast homemade oh candy. that's not right that's my kids don't even right. my kids don't even know what cereal is they think that really? honey nut cheerios is a treat because they never have it so really okay so, so yeah i don't really have any in my house the only one i can't have in my house is cinnamon toast crunch because i will eat it for breakfast i'll eat it for like a snack and then i'll dude, have it for dessert dude cinnamon toast crunch is like yeah. you don't even need milk just put it exactly. in a baggie Put it in a baggie and carry it around, dude. It yep. is perfect. Like <laughs> so that's that's not allowed in my house because I don't have you know self control. So I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, favorite band or musician? So just like the actors, you know, I, I might know their work, but I don't know them. I couldn't tell you a word. So like, uh, if you're a song, you you can't tell me that you drove all the way from Utah to to the. Indianapolis for NRAM and never listen to the radio. Come on. No, no, I listen to the radio all the time and I can sing the songs with them, but I yeah. don't know who sings it. I don't know. The, yeah. the only band that I think I actually know is, um, uh, of course, now I'm blanking on their name. Um, uh, oh my gosh. I, I like older, older stuff, right? From like the 80s and 90s when I was growing up. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Older gotcha. country, probably like 70s rock, you know, stuff like that. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Creed, there you go, Credence. Credence Clearwater oh, so Revival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're probably yeah. like, if I was going to like, I want to listen to a good song, they're one of the mm -hmm. few I know their name to say I like their work. The rest, I don't right. know who sings half the songs I like. So, Yeah, and uh, yeah, That'll CCR. Be. Man, CCR's got the hits too. But, yeah, uh, that, that puts me in the right mood sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm filling orders, trying to get like pallets worth of stuff out on big orders. And I'm just cranking that up and I'm like, okay, this is, this is where I want to be. It's, it's midnight. I'm listening to CCR and I'm filling a 10,000 piece order. Oh, heck this, yeah. This yeah. Is the well, life, you know? yeah. Yeah. Crank it and get it done. Heat shield out there. Throw some truth. So self-control crunch needs to be a cereal for the rest of us. Like, I, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and then the uh, final one we got here. Uh, and you said you weren't a huge history buff, but I'm still going to hit you with this. Maybe. Maybe you've got uh, an answer to it. Uh, favorite founding father? Jefferson. There you go. There's just, there's a lot of good quotes from him. I like, uh, I kind of like his religious stance too. There's just, a, there's a lot about Jefferson that I like, okay, yeah, that's, yeah. he's yeah. my guy. I'm more of a Franklin guy. Okay. I like there's the really inventor. no wrong answer. I like the inventor side. I like the, yep. uh, I always like the mind. I like the, <laughs> I like the ladies man side. <laughs> Do you, you hear know? that they, they found like a hundred bodies in a house that he used to, he used to own? I don't think I heard that. I, like, I heard, uh -huh. I, I might, I might have it wrong, but I'm pretty sure they were looking at a house that he used to own and they found like something under the, under the foundation with like a hundred skeletons in it. And they dated them from the same time that Franklin owned the house. So I was like, oh, I don't know. But he he was an inventor. He was uh he was I think a doctor too. He did a lot of like medical stuff. So I was oh, like, yeah. was he just doing you know on corpses looking at at the well, body? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, and, like that a, and that was and that was a common thing back then. There wasn't a lot of laws yeah. and regulations and rules to you know if if somebody donated their body to it, yep. you know you couldn't dig you couldn't go dig up a body out. You couldn't grave rob to do it, but. You know, if somebody said, hey, yeah, when I die, I take my body and study it or whatever. Yeah. Like, it was that simple. Now there's a whole big thing. You can still do that nowadays. You can donate your body to the, 
whatever the uh what do i think of the forensic farms and the different things now but yep. it's a big huge drawn out thing and it wasn't like that back in the day yeah but so. I, I just saw that about yeah. him i was like ooh, that's you know yeah. is, is that Why a dark they side under- or is that is that just kind of you know franklin just being franklin you kind of got to wonder why were they under the house though? Too? Yeah, like, that, yeah, that, that's, that's, I don't that's know. That's kind of that's kind of weird. I might have to look into that a little bit. That's uh, that's crazy. So uh, yeah, let's give you a a minute or two here. If folks want to know more about, oh by the way, uh, shout out thanks again to uh, Anderson Manufacturing for uh, helping us out with the uh, on the spot segment there. Now, uh, give me a few minutes if people want to find out more about OST. Uh, that is Operator Survival Tool, by the way. I uh, want to find out more about OST. Uh, want to follow you guys. Uh, want to check out all of the products and uh, actually lay eyes on them and see all the different uh, tools and everything, uh, functions and features available in the tools. See all the different stencils and other things. Uh, where, do they, uh, where do they follow you? Where do they find that stuff? Where do they ask questions? Let us know. Yeah, So. Um, so... You, you think that, you know, guns are guns are cool and guns are, you know, a sexy thing to get into. But as soon as all the social media stuff disagrees with you, it's kind of hard, <laughs> right. to, get any, it's kind of hard to get any traction. So um, right. we're, we're doing our best on basically Instagram. So follow follow there or um, get on the email list for OperatorSurvivalTool.com. We, we try yes. to get a couple emails out every so often when we have new stuff. But um Right now, we're really just trying to grow on our Amazon side. So if you're ever, you know, poking around and looking for new products, check Amazon Operator Survival Tool and, and our store there. We're trying to grow and and cultivate a better store on there as well. Well, that would make sense as to why I've seen the stuff I've seen on the Amazon side. So, yeah, it's, wow. you know, it's, it's like a mini and I don't like Amazon at all. But it's, it's almost like those, a necessary evil nowadays, though, right? It kind of like, is. You know, it's a trillion dollar company and, uh, you know, they, they can squash you like a bug or they can be a tool to help you grow. So we're trying to use them right. as a tool to help us grow right now. Right. Well, uh, thanks, Josh, for uh, for hanging out. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, we're going to close this one out. So uh, tomorrow we're recording this one live. We'll record another one live tomorrow. Uh, for Thursday, we've got the gun snob, so be sure to check that out if you're in replay, obviously listening to this one. You can comment down below. Thanks for the uh, side chat, the live chat out there. Thanks for all the questions out there uh, in the chat. And, uh, yeah, we're going to uh, call this one done, I think. Till next time, don't forget to chain fire. If I can find my thing here, chain fire freedom. Bye. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out Clovertack.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Clovertack Podcast.